Hey, it's Kathy. I have something so fun to tell you about. You may know that the doors are open to my new program, The Abundance Method, but if you enroll by May 15th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific, you're going to get my signature business program also made to do this. That's a $3,000 program that you are going to get for free, included if you sign up by May 15th, just before midnight Pacific time. Made to do this is a phenomenal program that has helped thousands of souls to start businesses, to be able to make a living doing something that they love. This is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. Failure is not the end. It's just a step to succeeding. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and we absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to Canva Pro for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Canva Pro is the easiest way to create presentations like a pro with thousands of free templates and time-saving tools. Get a free 45-day extended trial by going to canva.me slash dreamjob. Also, thanks to Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives. Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Do something today that you couldn't do yesterday with classes designed for real life. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash dreamjob and get a one-month free trial of premium membership. And thanks to Issue. Create once and distribute everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website and social platforms. Get started with Issue today for free or sign up for a premium account and get 50% off at Issue.com slash podcast and use promo code dreamjob. Hey guys, it's Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So yesterday was July 4th. And in keeping with the theme, I just want to say, in case it's not completely clear, that the whole reason I started this podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job is to help you feel free of anything that keeps you feeling like you're not being yourself. To me, a day job is synonymous with the things that don't really light us up, but that somehow we've sort of told ourselves we have to do. And I really believe that there's enough evidence that suggests that we can actually be boldly who we are and we can, we can be that way full time and that there are ways for us to use our gifts in this world and that those gifts are needed. So I feel that we have to free ourselves. I feel that we have so many of us have this incredible gift called freedom. And there's so many people in the world who don't. But do we free ourselves, right? Do we free ourselves from the constant undermining thoughts, the ways we keep ourselves caught and trapped? We have these gifts and these talents and these insights, and we've been dying to share that which is coming from our deepest truth. Perhaps the greatest freedom is letting go of the what will everyone think or what will everyone say? You're never going to be everyone's favorite flavor. It's not your job to make sure that everybody likes you. It's about showing up for the assignment of being you. Ultimately, the world needs you with your unique quirks and your shimmer. And that's how the world will be complete. We each add a different color to this mosaic tapestry. And without one thread, something's missing. Maybe the thing we ultimately need to break free from is that thought in our mind that says this isn't possible and we are not good enough. I hope that you feel this kind of liberation today. I hope that you feel that every time you listen to the show, I hope that you feel that all the time. 
What good is this sweet, sweet freedom if we don't utilize it to boldly be who we're meant to be? The best part of freedom is giving that freedom to others by relinquishing the ways we trap ourselves. When we set ourselves free, we give other people permission to do the same. So happy fourth and happy every day. May this independence ring true on the deepest levels. Okay, well, I couldn't be more excited because one of my favorite humans is here on the podcast today. This is correct. This is true. Cheryl Hines is here. She's an Emmy-nominated actress, producer, director, and she's a podcast host. You might recognize her from her iconic role on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I can just tell you, Curb is my favorite show of all time. The word obsessed doesn't quite describe how much I love it. So having Cheryl on is a dream come true, and she couldn't have been more easy to talk to and cool. Cheryl has been in other TV shows like ABC's Suburgatory, movies like Waitress and RV. She's also a podcaster. She and comedian Tig Notaro are co-hosts of the hilarious podcast Tig and Cheryl, True Story, where they discuss a new documentary every week. But this isn't your typical film review podcast where they dissect deep themes or discuss things like, what do you think the filmmaker was trying to convey in that scene? They go on tangents about things like how hot people are or silly memories that relate to what they're watching. It is so entertaining and it's going to make you laugh. So definitely go check out Tig and Cheryl True Story wherever you listen to podcasts. I love her so much. I admire and respect Cheryl. She's incredibly down to earth. There is no pretentiousness about her whatsoever. She's even more amazing than I thought she would be. It is an honor to have her here. I can't wait to share this episode with you. So without further ado, please welcome the awesome Cheryl Hines. Cheryl Hines, I'm like freaking out. Like I I made a list when we started this show four years ago and you were in like my first list of 10 humans. I was like, oh, if Cheryl could come on the show, I think my life would be made. Come on. I don't believe you, but that's so nice of you to say. I walked down the aisle at my wedding to the Curb theme song. (laughs) If that if that's any indication, like what Jewish girl spends all this money on a wedding and then that's the song. Like that's how I feel. It's like, I have never heard that before. That and I've heard a lot of things. So that is it up, but I'm obsessed with you. Like I, I I don't know how to say it any other like otherwise I'll sound like a stalker. Um so I'm gonna try to act I'm just gonna try to act cool right now. I'm gonna try to act like I'm breathing. I'm not really breathing, but it's fine. Okay. So here we go. This is your people. And I'm so excited that we get to talk about your podcast. But before we talk about your podcast, before we talk about the things that you're currently doing, I would love to walk back to how you got into this business because it's not an easy one to get into. I also went to Florida State, by the way. You did? Um, did Theater. So I knew that you had been around those parts. So let's talk about you as much as I really want to talk about me, of course. (laughs) I I want to talk about you. Tell me about your journey and how this all happened. Because it's a, I I heard it's a tough business. I heard it's not so easy. (laughs) No, you just sign up for it and you get roles. Well, it's interesting. So it's funny that you spent time in Tallahassee, Florida, because that's where I grew up. Um, And (laughs) it's a very sweet place, but it's also a little bit of a bubble. (laughs) I mean, I felt like uh, growing up there, I felt like, whoa, is there more out there? There's got to be. But I always knew I wanted to be an actress. And then when I was in high school, I actually did a production with some of the theater majors from FSU and it was very eye-opening and it was amazing. And I, I was, you know, pretty serious not a serious person, but serious about acting even then in high school. So after that, I decided to go to beauty school, which makes sense. Uh, because <laughs> I knew that I wanted to be an actress. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to pay my rents by being an actress. So I went to beauty school. I learned how to do uh, perms and jerry curls and <laughs> color wasn't, I wasn't very good at color. And then while I was going to school there in Tallahassee, everybody else was going to college, it seemed like. And I decided, oh, God, I should probably go to college because people are going to know more than me after all this. So I went to college. I ended up graduating from 
University of Central Florida. I took a one theater class at Florida State, which was amazing. But I had to change my major to um, television production because I had to put myself through school. So I had to waitress at night. So I would waitress at night. So I couldn't Mm -hmm. do any of the, you know, theater productions, which was at the time it was devastating because all I wanted to do was major in acting and I couldn't. And I just, I mean, honestly, I spent like a night sitting in a lukewarm bathtub, smoking cigarettes. And I don't smoke. Listening to Sade, like, oh my God, my life is over. The one thing I wanted, I can't, I can't do. (laughs) I was very dramatic. (laughs) So I changed it to uh, television production. I'm glad I did because I learned how to edit and I learned how to, you know, shoot and um, sound. Sound is important. I didn't know that at the time. Um, (laughs) I was like, who cares about sound? It's what it looks like. And I got a C on my commercial Cause he's like, yeah, the whole sound was muffled. It's like, yeah, I know. Cause you have to put, shove the microphone where people can't see it. And he's like, yeah, well, that's your job. You can't just have muffled sound. Anyway, I learned a lot. And then I got a job at Universal Studios while I was still in college. And for some reason they wanted to recreate the psycho shower scene And I got stabbed in the shower like 13 times a day in front of an audience of like 500 people. That was your first big break. It was. I was so thrilled because when I went to the DMV and they asked you, you know, what your occupation was, I said, actress. They didn't need to know that (laughs) it was at Universal Studios. And then from there, I decided I needed to move to either LA or New York. And I picked LA because I knew a few people here. And um, I drove my Toyota Tercel across the country. And (laughs) I had a bartending job uh, set up for me, which was nice at the uh, Intercontinental Hotel downtown LA, by the way, where the OJ jurors were sequestered. My life is fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. And then when I was bartending there, I met one of Phil Hartman's sisters. And she told me about the Groundlings Theater. And she told me that they do improv and sketch comedy. And I I went to the first show I could to see what what that was all about. And I thought, oh, my God, these are my people. This is what I need to be doing. So I took my first class there. My first teacher there was Lucy. Lisa Kudrow. And um, I just went through the the different levels. And then I was invited into the main company, which was a huge deal. That is a huge deal. That's super competitive. I feel like all of those people are just giants. Like their comedy is beyond. They're so talented. You know, I was in the company with Will Forte and Maya Rudolph and Melissa McCarthy and oh my God. Rachel Harris. I mean, oh it was just pretty amazing. So that, I felt like that was my grad school, you know. And then I got an audition. I'm making this all sound easy. And it, it, of course, it wasn't. There was a lot of um, tears in between. But then I got an audition for Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it was all improvised. I didn't know, I really didn't know who Larry David was. I knew that he had created Seinfeld with with Jerry Seinfeld, but I didn't know anything about him, you know? And they said, listen, when you go into the room, don't touch Larry. He doesn't like for people to touch him. (laughs) I was like, okay. And they said, and it needs to feel real because the tone of the show, it's, needs to feel real and if it doesn't the audition will be over and I was like okay and then I went in and uh, met Larry and I just sparked with him you know it was interesting because I was expecting like a troll in the corner with long nails and a cloak and he was he seemed much more normal than I was expecting but we just started improvising and uh, they wanted an unknown talent, which worked out great for me because nobody knew me. (laughs) And then they hired me. That's my little story. 
I mean, what do you even say? Like, we need different adjectives for this to be <laughs> described. Um, it's beyond amazing. It's insane. Like, you go from, I think I should do beauty school. I'll learn some sound. I took a great class with Lisa Kudrow to cut to starring in like one of the most beloved, incredibly well done shows like in history. And he tends to be uh, a little bit particular of a human, right? Yeah, I did not know that when I auditioned. I am so glad I didn't know anything about him. I mean, I have been, I don't know if he'd want me telling, well, I'll just tell everybody listening and don't tell anybody else. But he he is so particular about people. I was in an audition with him. Like we were auditioning people for the show. And this woman came in and she had, she looked amazing. You know, you could tell she worked out. She had beautiful arms. She was wearing a sleeveless top. She was funny. She was great. She walked out and I said, wow, she was great. He, He said, are you kidding me with those arms? And I said, um, yeah, what do you mean? They're like toned. And he's like, yeah, that's, yeah. She woke up and she's like, oh, I got to show my arms. I got to wear this sleeveless shirt to show my arms. I said, oh my God, we could ask her to wear long sleeves. If He's like, no, it's the, it's the principle. Oh, I got to show my arms today at this audition. Oh my, like, God. oh my God. So thank God I didn't know how nuts he is. So you came to find out pretty quickly what he's like. And how do you do that? Like, how do you work with someone who is so brilliant, hilarious, and also so idiosyncratic? And literally, you don't even have lines. Like, you're writing your your part. That's not an easy thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh I definitely could not have done this if I didn't have all the time at the Groundlings Theater doing wow. improv. Because have you done a, have you done a lot of improv? Just a little. I'm not great at that. It's scary. It's so scary. You have to like new choice. Say something else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Where are these people at Starbucks? They had lights up, and you're like, oh fuck it. All right. I guess I'll. <laughs> would you like a cappuccino? <laughs> um, but. It was great training because they really taught me to have no expectations, to not control a situation. And whatever your scene partner is giving is great. You know, it's information and you're grateful to have it. So with Larry, I love that he comes from this strong point of view because I know exactly... (laughs) I know what he's doing and what's funny about it. Just like he knows what's, he's very neurotic and he is neurotic in real life, but he's brilliant because he knows he is and he knows what's funny about it. That's why he's so amazing. Whereas I'm sure you know a lot of neurotic people, but they don't know that it's hilarious. (laughs) Right. I'm Jewish, so everyone in my family is neurotic, and it's just kind of part of it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's more of a blessing when they're aware how yeah. insane they're coming across. And I heard him once say, I think Jimmy Fallon was like, so, you know, is this you? And he's like, this is who I wish I could be. Like, I wish yeah. I could say these things to people on the street. I'm way, way nicer than this. Like, I wish he I could is. be. He is nicer. He is nicer. But he still is that guy. <laughs> Um, what you just said is incredible advice for life. Have no expectations. Yeah. Go with the flow. And then whatever you're being given, it's the best. And yeah, I love that. I love that as like the Cheryl Hines <laughs> guide to life. Was there a scene you could tell us about where, because I, I love how unscripted it is, yeah. where you actually were sort of like surprised and delighted at like where it wound up going. And it was a place you didn't know it was going to go oh yeah I mean there's one that I I think about because it was just with me and Larry and it was very quiet there was a, a season I don't know what season it was maybe like six or something but the word on the street was that there might be a terrorist attack on LA 
And I was, my character was throwing a fundraiser and, you know, in the outline, it's like Larry tells Cheryl, he doesn't want to be in LA for the terrorist attack. Right. So that's kind of all you get when you're shooting something and you don't talk about the scene before we start rolling. And there's a camera on, on each person's because it's improvised and you don't want to miss any of the dialogue, you know? So Larry says, uh, Hey, I think we should get out of town because this is serious. And I say, well, we can't, I have, you know, hundreds of people coming for this fundraiser and they're depending on it. And uh, he said, okay, well then I'll probably go. (laughs) So I was like, so you, you want to leave town without me? And he's like, well, I mean, I don't want to, but you're telling me you don't want to go and I want to go. I said, so you feel fine if something happens and I die and you survive, I said, don't you think that's strange? And he goes, well, I feel like you're being a little selfish. (laughs) And so it was this very quiet. And then I was like, I'm being selfish. He said, well, if you're going to die, do I have to die with you? You know? And then I said, well, well, what would you do? where are you going to go? So we had, we had a few different takes and every take he'd say something different, like a dude ranch. He was going to go to Pebble beach, he had all these great places he was going to go. But, but the scene was so funny because it was, it just felt real and it was quiet. And um, oh, I had so no funny. idea that that's where we were headed. <laughs> it's so funny. And it's so similar to when you guys renew your vows and <laughs> he's like, I have to give you, and eternity and gave you a life like it's and you were just like what what of course like I (laughs) through eternity he's like I thought I'd be single in eternity it's like oh my god what (laughs) you know (laughs) but it is very hard not to laugh you know because I can't laugh sometimes I have to bite the inside of my cheek I can't even like that must be the absolute hardest part especially with like JB Smoove and all these people oh my god constantly it is. And I don't want to be the person to, you know, break because it is improvised and you'll never have that moment again. You know, the moment when you first hear somebody say something and the first reaction people have to it, you can't break. I mean, Larry's the worst at breaking, to be honest. <laughs> Speaking of your relationship on the show, mm-hmm. I feel like he annoys you so much and he's mm-hmm. so self-involved that like, it's hard to believe that you're like into it for as many seasons as you are. (laughs) But then when you guys break up, it's like devastating. Like I'm so upset. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Like, do you think it's believable that she's in love with this guy? Well, I do only because when we're shooting it, I feel it. You know, I feel like, (laughs) yes, he's neurotic but there's something about him that only I can see that other people can't see. And I think that's probably true in most relationships, right? You, you have a connection with somebody and, and you feel like, Oh, I wish everybody saw this side of you, but they don't. (laughs) And now it's interesting because there's such a history. So we've been doing this show for 20 years ago. Isn't that incredible? It's it's crazy. And so when we were, when we were shooting this season, season 11, that hasn't aired yet. It's just funny because there are a few scenes where I run into Larry and Larry's doing something so ridiculous that only I know how ridiculous it is for him to be doing that. You know, when he's trying to fake being nice to somebody or trying to fake being whatever. <laughs> and I see him do it. It's like, Oh my God, you know, you can't do that around me. Cause I know better. So it's kind of, it's so fun because anybody who's been watching the show all these years knows just me looking at him doing something, <laughs> they know the history there. And so they get it, you know? Oh, it's so amazing. It's literally 
my favorite show. Nothing's even second. There's nothing because it does have all that. Like, like you said, this quiet, Mm -hmm. like there's no need to create like stimulation. There's no, it's just like, let's just sit in this uncomfortable. Let's wait here. Let's just hang out here. Like I've never seen that, that anywhere else in TV. It's such a fun way to work. I remember there was a scene too back in the day when my the character of my mom was on the show. And yeah. I think we were at a funeral. We go to a lot of funerals. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she said, do you have a mint? And this was, of course, not in the script. Nobody knew this was going to happen. And he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out some mints. And she's like, are those loose mints? It's like, yeah, they're loose mints. It's like, why would I want a loose mint from your pocket? And he's like, well, you asked me if I had a mint. I do have a mint. And, you know, to just watch this, because if, if there were writers in a room writing this, you know, by the time that goes through a table read and a rehearsal and the studio sees it and the network sees it, it wouldn't last, you know, because they're like, what's with the mint thing? It's weird. It's not exactly. a joke. It's not a joke. Exactly. <laughs> Like, no, but it's a weird moment that people have. So there are moments like that that Larry can catch that no other show. I don't know any other show. Yeah, no, that's it. I saw him at Largo a couple of times and he walks on stage and he's chewing gum and he's like talking. And then he goes, you know what? I don't want this gum. Yeah. And I made this commitment to this gum <laughs> and I don't want it. I have to take it out. And now I got to look around. There's a piano. There's what am I going to do with this? And this is a problem. And you have to think about this commitments. Like, do you want the gum? Do you want the gum? And it was like, no one would take seven minutes of this and talk about the gum. And it was just the best. And you're all just geniuses. I don't think that people really understand that they're quoting the show line after line. And you guys are literally writing those lines on the spot. It's really, it's amazing. I'm loving this conversation, but let's just take a second to thank our sponsors. Whether you work for yourself or you're part of a team, it's time to get creative. Make your online presence and your business stand out from the rest with Issue. It's the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials to magazines, flip books and brochures and more. Instead of having to scroll through endless PDFs, you can easily feature your creation on every device. Issue also works seamlessly with tools you already use like Canva, Dropbox and InDesign. This is such a great tool for creators, marketers, designers and really anyone who wants to make content that stands out. And you can start using Issue for free. They also offer premium features that give a more customized experience. I'm particularly interested in using the GIF feature because I love posting GIFs and I think it's so cool that we can take our content and turn it into this kind of shareable content. I also love that with Issue, there's no need to spend time reformatting the content for different platforms or optimizing the content for engagement because they take care of all of that for you. Get started with Issue today for free, or if you sign up for a premium account, you can get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code DREAMDROP. That's I-S-S-U-U.com slash podcast and use promo code DREAMDROP at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code DREAMJOB. Canva Pro is the easiest way to create presentations like a pro. Whether you're presenting to your team, students, or clients, you're going to save so much time and inspire your creativity by using one of Canva Pro's thousands of free designer-made templates and layouts. They're totally customizable, and you'll end up with this high-quality, high-resolution presentation in minutes. Plus, you can design, collaborate, share, and present on any device. With a subscription, Canva Pro has everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio, and graphics. There have been so many times when my team will ask each other like, hey, can you put together a quick presentation or reel? And within a few hours, we're going to have it finished because Canva Pro makes it that easy. We love that we can animate the slides and add effects on the graphics or the text to make it really stand out. Plus, we can play music in the background and drop in a video clip if we want to show testimonials from my students or a clip from the podcast. My team uses Canva pretty much every day, and it's been my go-to tool ever since I started my own business. It is such a game changer, and I can't recommend it enough. Wow your audience with Canva Pro, the easiest way to create presentations. Get a free 45-day extended trial by going to canva.me slash dreamjob. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash dreamjob to get your free 45-day extended trial. You've had so many incredible, iconic guest stars. Has there been somebody you just like, were like, I can't believe I'm working with this person right now? Well, we did a a season where Larry did the producers on Broadway. And... 
we had this little trailer. For many years, we all shared one trailer. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even know that that's not how it works. I just thought that shows <laughs> yeah. everybody just shared one trailer. And then the union stepped in and said, what are you guys doing? Like, oh, we just shared the one trailer. Like, yeah, where do you change? Oh, we just change in the back. Like, what, with the guys? Like, well, we don't all change at the same time. <laughs> and they were like, this, you can't do this. But anyway, at that time, we just had one trailer. And we had this trailer parked outside on, you know, one of the streets on Broadway. And for lunch, we were sitting in this trailer. And it was um, Larry and Jeff. And I think Larry Charles was directing, I think. And David Schwimmer was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Mel Brooks was in the trailer. Um <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld happened to be stopping by. Of course. He saw that we were shooting. He was in the trailer. We're all eating lunch, like, on our laps with, you know, off of, like, uh, paper plates. And I'm just listening to everybody. And then Anne Bancroft walks into the trailer and goes in the back to change or something. And I just thought, oh, my God. I could never imagine this moment in time, you know, but I mean, we've had some amazing guest stars, but honestly, all the people that I work with, it's really Larry and Susie and Jeff and Richard that I can't believe I'm working with. That's the sweetest thing. It's so obvious. Yeah, it's it's true. You know, it feels like, you know, in high school, I have to do like chemistry class and and the teacher would pair you up with and you'd mm -hmm. always get the weird person. With Larry, I feel like I got the weird guy who knew everything about science. And at first you're like, whoa, I got the weird guy. And then you're like, whoa, I got the weird guy who knows everything about everything. It's amazing because it did turn into 20 years and hopefully it won't ever end. And this one audition turned into like, you grew up on this show. Like so much of your life has happened on this show. You know, it's interesting because when I auditioned for it, it was really a one hour special. Oh my God. Because at that time, and they still do, right? The standups do one hour specials. Well, they asked Larry to do an hour of stand-up, but he didn't want to do an hour of stand-up. <laughs> of so he decided to do like a mockumentary of him getting ready to do his HBO <laughs> hour. So he did a mockumentary of that lead up. And while they were cutting it together, I guess, not sure who had the idea of, well, why, why can't this be a TV show? So... I mean, in this business, usually for TV shows, you have the preliminary audition and then you get called back and then maybe you meet with a few people and then you are called back and then you do a test for the network. And, you know, it's terrifying and it's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And and while you're doing it, you feel like, whoa, this could change my life. Yeah, Like I could quit my bartending job if I got this, (laughs) but I didn't have that feeling auditioning for Curb because it didn't change my life. You know, a one hour special at the time I was personal assistant for Rob Reiner and his family (laughs) and I couldn't quit my job. I took a few days off to shoot and I went back to, you know buying shower curtains and picking up (laughs) dry cleaning. (laughs) Amazing. So you've been so busy working, not just on Curb Enthusiasm, but so many other projects since then. What made you decide to then also start a podcast on top of everything else? Because you're, you're busy, busy now. It's funny, you know, Tig Notaro and I have been friends for a long time. And All we do is laugh when we're together. It's ridiculous. All we do is laugh. And Tig years ago said we should do a podcast. And I really wasn't interested because I was like, I don't even know what a podcast is. I don't want to do that. And then right before the pandemic hit, I went over to Tig's house and I was like, yeah, let's do a podcast. I think that would be fun. And then we started talking about it. What are we going to do 
about. And then we decided on documentaries. We both love documentaries. So why don't we talk about documentaries, but not in a fancy way? <laughs> right. I was going to say it in, in, not in an intellectual way. And then the pandemic hit. And then a few months into it, we talked to each other. We're like, let's just do it from our, our homes. So we started doing it and it was so fun. And I'm sure you've had this experience to a lot of our listeners because it did start during the pandemic. A lot of our listeners have written in and said, oh my God, I haven't laughed in months mm-hmm. because yeah. nothing's been funny. Yeah. And then I listened to you two idiots talk about nothing. <laughs> And it makes me laugh and I can't wait till Mondays and a new show comes out. So, and even hearing back from all of the listeners is so gratifying and satisfying, you know, because I feel a deep connection with them and they're funny. I feel like all of our listeners are funny. (laughs) Yeah. They write in and they write funny things. You're so delightful together and apart, but then like, There's something about you, Cheryl, which is like, I really mean this so sincerely. There's no like affect to you. I feel like you are just still this girl from Tallahassee who's like, oh, hi. Yeah, we can be friends. Sure. I like coffee too. Oh, and where'd you get your blouse? It's adorable. I have one like that. We should swap. Like you're just like the nicest, most normal person in Hollywood. And so listening to you guys it feels like, oh yeah, these are my friends. Like we're just hanging yeah. out. There's not like this pretentious, affected. Yeah. It's like, you're well, just that's you. nice of you to say, because that is the feeling because it's, we watch these films and some of them are serious and some of them are, you know, crazy. But yeah, like one of the biggest things that we talk about is who we're attracted to in the documentary. It's <laughs> just like... <laughs> so dumb like we are not doing a service to the filmmakers whatsoever no. I mean I hope they never listen to our podcast because yeah they would be mortified like we're yeah. talking about what they're cooking while they're talking about murder you know or right but that's why people want to be around you and are like people who love you don't love you they're obsessed with you because <laughs> there's no like oh, well, I have big ideas and I know things. It's more like, oh yeah. So did you think that guy was cute? It's like he was murdering. So, but it's, it doesn't take away the fact that the guy's hot. Let's right. like, He's still cute. You can still like, discuss it. Being technical. Would I want to make out with him on an elevator? Yes. If I thought the world was ending. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just is what it is. Um, it is what it is. So I want everyone to go and listen because it will it will literally cheer you from the inside out. Tig and Cheryl, true story. We'll put links to it. We will let everybody know about it. Here's what I want to ask you. My audience, these people are super creative and they're all listening to this show because gosh darn it, they would love to do something that feels more fulfilling than having a day job, than just like pushing paper around a desk. And they all have this thing. Some of these women teach yoga or make their own candles or like to do tarot card readings. But there's always this feeling of like, can you really make a living doing something you like? So what is your advice? What do you think having been able to not just make a living, but do so well and get to stay true to you and do something fun? What do you think it takes to do that? What are some things to keep in mind? Well, the number one thing to remember is just to do it to and it doesn't matter if the first time oh I decided to be a yoga instructor but nobody's coming to my class that's okay it's if you do it you'll learn from it and then you'll learn oh I know what to do to get people to come to my yoga class because I'm going to go look at somebody else who has a successful yoga business. I'm going to see what they're doing and I'm going to take some notes. I'm going to take a page from that and apply it to what I'm doing. But I find the people that are unsuccessful are people that come up with so many reasons not to do it. Yeah. 
they're sure. just like, well, I don't have the thing yet for the thing. And I haven't tried the, this for that. And I think you just have to start somewhere and it's very difficult to start somewhere. It's so hard, but once you do, that doesn't mean that's how it's going to be forever. I think that's the other thing that people need to understand because you feel like, well, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. And I want to do it, you know, on the corner of main street and township. And it's like, okay, well, that's too expensive. You're not going to do that. You can start in your kitchen. So figure out where you can start and how you can keep improving. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. And it's not easy, but it is fulfilling and it is exciting. And for me, I am always doing something new because I like that feeling of, oh, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I won't know unless I try. Yeah. Okay. I have a few more things I want to ask you, but first a quick ad break. I think every single one of us is creative at our core. Whether you last picked up a paintbrush yesterday or in grade school, you can explore your creativity and be inspired. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning, with so much to explore real projects to create and the support of fellow creatives. Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. It doesn't matter if you're a hobbyist or a pro because they have classes for every skill level. And Skillshare is also incredibly affordable. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. One class I'm interested in taking is video for Instagram, tell an engaging story in less than a minute, taught by digital storyteller and video producer Hallie's Navarez. I think it's so important to master the art of storytelling because the story is what makes you unique and it's what people will remember about you. Plus, I'm just always trying to learn new things about making better Instagram content and whatever gets the message across in a quick but effective way. So I'm excited to pick up some tips from this course. If you're already an Instagram master, you can check out their classes and other topics like graphic design, creative writing, marketing, productivity, and so much more. Explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash dreamjob and get a one month free trial of premium membership. That's one month of a premium membership at skillshare.com slash dreamjob. I feel like, especially with Larry David, but in general, to be attracting what you're attracting into your life. I think people want to be around someone who is not trying to prove themselves, is not insecure. You have this way about you where you're just like, you're, you're good. <laughs> so I think that that's unique about you. I think that he probably got that right away and appreciated it. It's kind of the opposite of the woman with the, the arms, right? Like <laughs> you're just, you're good. Okay. Yeah. So you do what you're going to do and it's not going to affect what I'm going to do. So how, I think that that goes back to sort of like when you said people will sometimes not do things because they talk themselves out of it. These are the reasons why they shouldn't try. I think the beliefs obviously have so much to do with it. And so you, you exude this like very core centered, not to say like you don't have a bad day, but you exude like, I'm okay. I like myself. I'm not trying to make everybody happy. Make everybody, I just, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And I like people. What's your practice around that? What do you think? Is it love from your parents? Do you feel like you meditate? Do you feel like you've listened to enough of those Wayne Dyer tapes to like get you and like, what got you to that place where you exude like actual confidence? Um, I think I came from a very humble beginning. Like I grew up with very little money. I was on free lunch, you know, yeah. in elementary school. And I mean, when I went to the prom, I bought my prom at Goodwill, but I went with my other friends and we all bought our prom dresses at Goodwill and it was hilarious. And we looked amazing. Um, but there was something about my upbringing where it felt like I knew that those things didn't define me. If I have to take free lunch this year, that doesn't mean for the rest of my life, that's who I am. It's just like, this is where I am today. And so I don't worry about what other people think about me, which is was a nice lesson to learn early, just because I couldn't because I didn't have any money. So the other girls were wearing fancy things to school and this and that. But I had my own little group and we didn't have a lot of money, but we had so much fun. And we were like, it's okay. Just wear the same thing you wore yesterday. And some people did care. And those people we did not care about. So I, I learned that early. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned early on too was I asked myself all the time, 
what's the worst thing that could happen in this situation? Because sometimes, especially as an actress, as a person, as a mother, you're in a situation where it's like, oh God, if I walk into this room, I don't know one person in there. I don't know what if I should even be here. What if this is embarrassing? And it's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? It is embarrassing. You don't fit in. And then you leave and you go home and hang out with your friends. It's like, usually the worst thing that could happen is you don't get the part. The casting director thinks you're a bad actress. That's okay. Life is going to go on. There's another casting director that's going to think you're a good actress. You know, it's like, you know, motherhood. What's the worst thing that could happen if I was trying to make my daughter play softball? (laughs) And she did for a little while and then she didn't want to. And I was like, oh my God, she needs a sport to go to college. (sighs) She doesn't want to play. She doesn't want to do a sport. You know what I, and then I'm like, just calm down. Is life is going to go on if your daughter doesn't play a sport? Like, how are you losing sleep over your daughter not playing softball? So a lot of times I just have to take a step back and say, what's the worst thing that could happen? I decide to be a yoga instructor. I open a studio and nobody shows up for my class. Okay. If that happens, I'm ready for it. Yeah, I'll survive it. Yeah, that day could come. There might be one person in the class. We'll have a laugh and then we'll have a great yoga class. Yep. You know, so before you do something scary or new and you start getting yourself all riled up and you take a step back and and say, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then you get comfortable with it. It's like, okay. I mean, even so much so, (laughs) this is what you're going to be like, okay, you're nuts. I learned how to scuba dive in the Bahamas where it's very calm and, you know, it was at a resort. I wasn't uh, battling against nature, really. (laughs) Then the second time I went scuba diving was in Trinidad. (laughs) And we were out on a little boat with like a local guy who had tanks that he had filled up. And then they said, okay, we're going to go down. We're going to go through some thermal, this, this, and that. There'll be lots of bubbles. You'll feel a change in water temperature. Then we're going to go down to 60 feet. And I was like, uh, I don't even know how to clear my mask. They're like, you'll be fine. (laughs) I went scuba diving. And when we came up the first time, the guy was like, you were going through too much oxygen. What are you doing? I said, I think I'm going to die. So I keep breathing like, (gasps) and he's like, you can't, you'll use all your oxygen. You can't do that. So then before we went down for our second dive, I took a moment with myself and I was like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I could die. And that's going to be okay. If I do die today, I'll be underwater. I'll be looking at oh thing, and I'll be floating. <laughs> so just get comfortable with that. So the second time I was like, today could be my day. It'll be a nice way to go. Oh. <laughs> and I had a much more pleasant experience and I didn't die, but I could have, I would have been okay with it. <laughs> um, the thing is that something you're saying, I mean, it's just so true. I feel like we live in a time, especially now where kids just are so fragile. The parents don't want their kids to be uncomfortable about anything. So then they grow up and they're like, they could reject me or that could hurt, or I might not get promoted or I would fail. And then it's like, oh no, we don't want you to fail. We want to give you an award for every day of the week. And so you having grown up with just just a lot of things that were so uncomfortable. You learn to tolerate being uncomfortable, which is really so valuable. And you can just be like, it's okay. Like I can make peace with this thing that yes, it's unpleasant. And like, that is a huge, huge lesson. This is going back in your book with the three things that we said before. (laughs) Well, it's also failure. I mean, it's easy to say and hard to do, but once you invite it 
in your life, like it's impossible for someone to succeed in everything they do. Yeah. It's just not possible. You're going to bake your first five layer cake and it's not going to turn out. (laughs) And that's okay. Cause then when you bake your second one, you'll know what not to do and what to do. So when you start thinking about it as failure is not the, the end, it's just a step to succeeding. I think you, you look at life differently. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'll actually be better at succeeding doing the thing you were trying to do. If you've already failed at it once, then the second time you try, you're like, Ooh, I'm not going to do that thing again. Cause <laughs> I ended up on the side of the road. Yeah. You know, what else is interesting because it comes up so often these days is like people talk about manifesting. I want to manifest that, you know, it's like this whole thing. And I never saw the secret, but I know like that's a whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I I'm listening to your story and not so coincidentally, I've heard Larry say these things too, where he never expected to be rich. Like he wasn't rich growing up. Like mm-hmm. this was not a thing. Like he was going to become this successful. And you were just saying like, we didn't have it and it was okay. So it's kind of like the opposite when people say, okay, you have to be the, the vibration of millions right. so that you can be. And I'm wondering sort of what you think is actually for you, the reason why you did attract a lot of this success. And that doesn't sound like that was your thing. Like I will be a millionaire. I blah, blah, blah. Like it was almost like. It's interesting that you say that because I read this book when I moved to LA, somebody told me to read it. The seven spiritual laws of success by Deepak Chopra. It's a very short as you can imagine, mm-hmm. very short book. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I can do this. It's 20 pages. Yeah. But one of the ideas in the book that really struck me, and it speaks exactly to what you're talking about, was the law of detachment. Because I had always thought, what you have to do is see yourself succeeding, doing the thing that you're trying to manifest. And so that idea was to detach yourself from the outcome. So I had to really think about myself as an actress because it says, you know, what is it that ultimately you want? You want to be successful at something so you can buy the house you want, so you can drive the car you want. But once you let go of that and don't think about what the outcome is, just concentrate on what you're doing. So once I started even approaching auditions that way, because I really, I thought I'm going to imagine myself on the stage of friends, you know, and you can do that all day, which is fantastic. But once you let go of, okay, that's not going to be my outcome. I, what I'm going to do, I have an audition. I'm going to go in I'm going to have the best audition I can have. And they may like me, they may not like me, but this is my chance to go in and do what I do. I'm an actress. I have an opportunity today to go act. I'm not worried about, is it going to get me to the next thing to get me to the next thing? I'm just going to do this. And it was so helpful because then you're not acting, trying to get the job to try to get the house to try to get the other thing. And I find it to be true with everything. When I really want something, it's so hard because I'll, I really want something. I have to take a step back and say, why do you want it? Or you want it because then you can go to Greece or whatever that thing is. Okay. Step back. Just keep stepping back. What's happening right now. Let's focus on that. And then that, then you have to know that that thing will lead you to the next thing. Oh, it's so nice, isn't it? Just to like enjoy yeah. this, whatever this is. Yeah. Um, one of my friends who I'm sure you know, because he was on Curb a couple of times, Wayne Fetterman. Mm-hmm. He always says like, it's the best day ever. Like I had a Coke, <laughs> went to McDonald's, auditioned for something. Like it's always the best day. It's always the best day. Like it's never about this to do this. He's like, I just want to do this. Like this moment yeah. And I genuinely believe him. And what I think is true 
for all of you who are in the cast of Curb, there isn't this feeling like, okay, you have, everyone has to laugh and we have to make the scene like this. And there's definitely this feeling of like, let it just be what it is. And it feels, I think through osmosis, people watching, we feel relaxed. I heard Jeff say this on stage once at UCB. He's like, I'm not the most talented person on stage. I'm the most relaxed person on stage. (laughs) Like I'm so relaxed that you're relaxed. And like, I don't even care like what winds up happening, what we talk about. If I'm going to give away a TV, I don't care what is going to happen. I'm relaxed. Yeah. And, and that's how you are. Well, I mean, it goes back to like, if he's on stage, he says something, nobody laughs. Yeah. That's the worst thing that could happen in that moment. It's and fine. he's like, that's fine. I've lived through that and that's okay. Uh, So yeah, once you get comfortable with, it doesn't define me. You're not laughing now. That's okay. I know who I am and it's okay. And like you said, I mean, Larry's very good at that. Just like doing Seinfeld. I mean, when he did Seinfeld, it was a different structure to a TV show. You know, it was, it was really different from all the sitcoms that we'd seen. So incredibly hard. There's so much math that goes into like all these storylines and they all have to coincide. And I don't even understand like how he could have done that one time, let alone all those times. I know. And then when he did Curb, it was also groundbreaking in a different way to do a show that nobody had ever done before. And he felt like that's okay. Nobody likes it. (laughs) I'm still Larry David. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you guys don't get it, that's okay. And I think that's, you know, certainly the good actors are like that. The good comedians are like that. That's one of the things I learned at the Groundlings when you were writing sketches. Because at the Groundlings, you have to be invited to the next level. And so they have to like you and the people have to vote on you. And it's stressful. So you once in a while, you find yourself like, oh, will they like? this sketch that I'm writing about Walmart and then you start thinking about oh I think they will and then you get in trouble because you're starting to write for other people that you think they're going to like and yeah and then they don't like it and then you then you dial it back and you're like okay I'm just going to write what I think is funny and they're not going to like it (laughs) it's so liberating yeah and you're just like it's okay and truth be told when I was growing up watching Seinfeld and then Curb I used to think how is it that non-Jews think this is funny? Like, it's like so (laughs) peculiar and these people are insane and they weren't trying to write something that everybody liked. Like, that's the whole thing is like, and then people, of course they think it's funny. Just like my big big fat Greek wedding is funny. Just like do your thing, Mindy Kaling, and everyone will think it's funny because it's so genuinely true for you. And that's how all of you are. And that's what makes it just, it's such a breath of fresh air. So last question is, is there anything about the next season that you can tell us? Are you so excited about it? And when does it come back on? Is it so in September? I'm so excited. Uh, they haven't announced it. I think, once again, listeners don't tell people, but if I was a gambling woman, which I am, I would think in the fall. But, yeah. but it's also possible that it, it would be January, but I'm not sure yet. Okay. But it was um, really funny. It was, it's really funny and, you know, crazy. <laughs> crazy and awesome. I savor like every minute. And then I get really upset that there's no new ones. Everyone has that problem. I know I'm not alone. I'm not unique. Okay. So I wanted to do this interview with you since I started and I was nervous and you made me so relaxed. And then this was like one of the most spiritually and just sort of like emotionally interesting, gratifying conversations beyond your awesome life. So I'm so excited that people get to hear this episode. I'm so excited that you're generously taking time to make a podcast of your own with TIG because you don't have to do anything, let's face it. And this has been the best. It has it's been great. I've loved talking to you. I feel like I feel like we could do this all day, every day for eight hours a day. <laughs> let's like anytime <laughs> Um, no, I would wake up in the morning and zoom with you. Oh my gosh. You're so cute. Okay. Well go have the best day to be continued. Bye. Bye. 
Oh my gosh, how fun was that? I could have talked to her all day. By the way, if you want to watch me talking with Cheryl, you can see this on my Kathy Heller YouTube channel. Plus, you can see the inside of Cheryl's closet because she was literally recording in her closet. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, go in with no expectations. Don't try to control the situation. Whatever you're given is information. Be grateful to have it. Number two, your idiosyncrasies and neurosis are meant to be embraced. Number three, the best moments happen when you're in the moment. Number four, just start somewhere. It doesn't matter what you try the first time because it doesn't have to be this thing forever. Whatever you do, you're going to learn from it. Number five, take a step back and ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen in this situation? Life will go on. Number six, invite failure into your life. Failure is not the end. It's a step to success. And number seven, don't focus on the outcome because the outcome doesn't define you. Just concentrate on the doing. All right, now we're going to celebrate today's giveaway winner. So every Monday and Thursday, I'm giving away some really cute swag, a hoodie, a mug. So if you want to be entered into this giveaway, then leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, or you can post about the podcast on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller. And today's winner is Mellow Groove. And they said, if you're like me and you've been knowing that your people are out there just waiting for you to connect with them, or maybe you've lost touch with them and you're really needing to get back to a place of fulfillment and high vibrational energy, then come home. Kathy Heller and her people, well, they're your people. Oh my gosh, that's such a beautiful review. Thank you so much. I know I always say this, but I am so thankful that you listen to this show. You guys show up, you're here, you're listening. I know that there's a lot, a lot on your plate, a lot you could be doing. So thank you for being here. I never take that for granted, not for one second. There's so many more good episodes coming. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify wherever you listen. And if you leave us a rating and a review, then you'll be entered into the giveaway. Last thing I want to ask you is, did you love this episode? Did it resonate with you? If you love Curb Enthusiasm or you love Cheryl Hines as much as I do, then you have to do something, okay? Not only tell a friend to listen, but go to kathyheller.com slash dream. And we're going to give you a dream goal tracker worksheet. And this is going to help you listen to these episodes, but then actually take action. And what we want you to do on this worksheet, you're going to see a place for you to fill out sort of what you're inspired to do, what your next little step is. And then on the other side of the worksheet, it's for you to interview your best friend and ask her what inspired her about this episode. What's her next step? And if you guys start listening to these podcast episodes and you don't just listen to them, but you listen and then discuss what it is that you're taking away from it and you write it down on this worksheet and you ask a friend what's their next tiny little step towards that more fulfilling, liberating place in their life to do the thing they're meant to do, you guys are going to see that that accountability and that that brainstorming session is worth so much. So go to kathyheller.com slash dream, download the worksheet, and then reach out to a friend and say, hey, I've been listening to this podcast and I want to really do something with this inspiration And I think it's going to help you too. So you guys can listen together, fill it out, go to kathyheller.com slash dream, and then just watch, just watch how maybe that starts to add up to a lot. We know that if you're kept accountable, you are 95% more likely to reach a goal. So I think that this is going to be like rocket fuel. Also, make sure you tell Cheryl how much you enjoyed this episode. Her Instagram is at underscore Cheryl Hines, spelled C-H-E-R-Y-L-H-I-N-E-S, and let her know. Say, Cheryl, I listened to you on this podcast. Let her know that this audience loves her because it's going to make her feel so good. You can also tag me at kathy.heller, kathy's with a C, and I'll repost as many of those as I can. You guys are the best. You are indeed the best. I'll leave you with a song of mine, and we'll be back on the podcast with a mini episode tomorrow. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. You ask.